cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image, promote your products, create expert status, become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101, crisis management, media blitzing, it's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hey everyone, this is Brandy Shapiro-Babin. Welcome to this edition of the Cover Story. Uh, I will be joined very shortly with my fabulous co-host, David McGinnis. Uh, however, he is in New York, and uh, I, I think he's, uh, he's got himself a little lost in New York. So he'll, he'll be popping up shortly. Um, but I'm very excited to have with us our fabulous featured guest for today, who is Masha Geller. She is the iMedia Connection Editor-at-Large, um, and she's also the founder and principal of Interactive Marketing and Corporate Communications Consultancy, Geller Public Relations in New York, so she could probably tell David how to get back to the studio. Um, she's <laughs> been covering the interactive advertising industry since 1999 as the former editor-in-chief of Media Post and is a widely published thought leader in the interactive arena. Geller Public Relations is a strategic communications consultancy focusing on interactive marketing and advertising. The company is uniquely geared toward providing an unmatched range of communication services to the interactive community. And I couldn't say that better if I had Maja writing it for me. <laughs> Which she did. Right, Welcome, gosh, I think I did actually write it for you, Brandy. How are you? <laughs> you did. I'm great. How are you? <laughs> That's a mouthful. I should edit that thing. No, it's fabulous. I'm impressed. Now I, 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 I'm, I'm in oh, absolute awe of you. Oh, good Lord. This is going to be fun, isn't it? <laughs> it is going to be fun. <laughs> it is going to be fun. And we've got girl power today. Yes, we do. Which is very exciting. There's of that in this industry, I think. Y- 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 that's very true. That's very true. So let's do this. David will be joining us very shortly. <laughs> but let's, give, let's go back a little bit, and let's give everyone a little bit of uh, understanding of some of your background. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's actually interesting you should ask me that because today Wendy Davis, who's been the interactive editor of Media Post, wrote her swan song. She's no longer going to be writing the Just an Online Minute, the column that I started many, many years ago and actually stopped writing three years almost to the day. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I started Media Post, I guess it was 99 or 2000, um, as the editor over there. At the time, it was a very, very tiny company, and it uh, blossomed into the publication powerhouse that it is today. Uh, I believe when I left three years ago, we had 13 dailies and two monthlies. Um, so it's very worse than a deadline world, I guess. Um, love this industry. I've been covering it forever, and um, want to see it blossom more and more. Good for you. But what, how have you seen the biggest changes occur in this industry? I mean, because you really, you, you have been at the forefront. When we talk about, you know, brand makers and, and breakaway brands, you've been at the forefront of this since, you know, 99, basically, which is, you know, when you look back, I mean, that makes you a true veteran of the industry. Well, I don't know if I would go that far, but I certainly have seen it go pre-bust to bust to post-bust. Um, and it's definitely been a very, very interesting um, ride. Um, I've had a bird's eye view, which kind of, I guess, differenti- differentiates me from a lot of folks out there who are in the trenches doing this stuff. Um, 
I, I definitely don't deserve the praise because um, I'm a watcher, not a doer, but I do have a pretty good bird's eye view, I guess. Uh, as far as the trends are concerned, I think Interactive is finally um, not the red-headed stepchild anymore. It's at the table with the rest of the media, and that's, that's fabulous to say. It took a long time, but we're getting there. What was that turning point, do you think, that allowed it, you know, that, that, that took interactive media around the corner and, and now it's sitting at the grown-up stable? Um, I think it was that after the sock puppet got run over by the dot-com bus, we didn't lay over and die. Didn't lay over and die. Um, and the people who have been in this industry for over a decade are still here. Um, these are the people who have believed in it. And the fact that they stayed with it, I think, was the turning point that, not really the turning point, but it was a testament to the medium's validity. The validity, yeah. So to the rest of the world that, yeah, we can all go back to the traditional media world, but we believe in this enough to stay and see it through. Okay, uh, so who are those thought leaders, and what did they do to, you know, be able to have the staying power that they have? Oh, boy, there's uh, too many to mention, I guess, um if you look at the attendee list of the media conferences, that's pretty much um, the folks that I would put in that list. Everybody who's been um, writing about the industry, the likes of Tom Hespos and Jim Skaskis and Corey Trefoletti and Dave Smith from Media Smith, um, these are the people who've been instrumental to the industry's growth. And they're still here and they're still um, writing about it and doing the work and trying to convince the people with the budgets that interactive is worth those budgets. But what are they what are they doing? You know, I mean they're writing about it, which keeps them out in the public eye, gives them stronger visibility and obviously extends their expert status. But from a like a, a foundational company perspective, what what have they done that's allowed them to float to the top? Um, most of them have been in the agency world. Okay. Uh, they came from traditional backgrounds and uh, a lot of them have spun off their own interactive shops. These are people in the trenches. They're dealing with the clients face-to-face every day, and they're writing about their experiences. They're offering real case studies, real best practices, real uh, advice to everybody else. They're Which not is awesome. talking about... No, no, I'm just saying, you know, something like our little mantra here is sort of, you know, what you give out is what you get back. And if you put yourself out there and you really give out, you know, you give back good information that people can consume and you're not beating your chest about, you know, how wonderful you are, that mm-hmm. creates a lot of validity and a lot of trust and a lot, you know, and people will come to the table and, and you know, want to do business with you. Oh, which I think is, is, you know, I think that's a great key to success is what you mm-hmm. give out is what you get back. Yeah, so, so you're These saying... People are- yeah, these people are writing about their experiences, and a lot of them, when they started writing, really didn't cancer, uh, care about the fact that their columns were sponsored or non-sponsored. They didn't care about annoying the advertisers. They told the truth. Um, and if you look at all the reporters and editors and columnists out there who are still writing and have been writing for a long time, they've been um, just unbelievably truthful and open about the problems in this industry, the client-agency relationships, the... Um, you know, the kind of the pitfalls that a lot of people fall into. Truth really does matter, and that's what has Absolutely. made these people successful. 
Absolutely. Good for you. I mean, I think, that, and that is, that's such a strong, you know, we, we, it's, it's nice because we've had so many thought leaders on, on the station, and, you know, consistently what they say is, you know, be honest, be truthful, be forthright, know who your target market is, know the person if you're, you know, if you're trying to contact a reporter, you know, mm-hmm. know what their beat is, know what their strategies are so that when you ask them for something, that it's something that's going to be a win-win and they're going to want to promote you properly. You, you know, like oh, yeah. I'm not going to call you and say, hey, you know, I've got this great new car that I'm launching. That's not of interest to you. We're both wasting each other's time, and then when I do have something that's maybe in your marketplace, you're going to turn away from me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the PR person who cried wolf um, <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of garbage out there, and especially you know, many years ago when the medium was first waking up, um, a lot of people were pitching releases that had absolutely nothing to do with the industry. And if they did have something to do with the industry, the PR people didn't know what the heck they were talking about. They had been hired two days before. Um, They had a press release draft put in front of them, and they called everybody that they could think of. Um, And that created a lot of hype, which I think was instrumental in contributing to um, the downfall of the industry back in the dark period. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, So, you know, yeah, absolutely. And then there's a lot of kind of noise out there. The press releases to the tune of our CEO woke up this morning and had a cup of coffee. Let's do a release about it. Okay, so uh, and reporters talk- are very, very sensitive to that kind of stuff. So let's talk a little bit then about about the press release. Like, what in your mm-hmm. you, you know what in 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 your mind is the the correct way to you know launch let's say a PR campaign? When do you best utilize a press release? And when when you go to send a press release out, how do you handle its release? Um, well, I think the statistics in the industry uh, show that only about 10% of feature stories are inspired by press releases. I think that's actually a pretty high number um, based on my experience. Um, press releases are terrific for search engine rankings and Googling your company and vanity searches and things like that. I don't, I don't mean to downplay the importance of them, but as far as real PR and real values concerned, that's generated by person-to-person contact with reporters, building a story, working on an angle, um, and that really can't be accomplished through a press release. What you can do through a press release is get a mention in something like uh, media posts about to launch or people on the move or something like that or click these execs and accounts sections, just a brief mention of something that happened. Uh, that doesn't really need too much reporting or too much investigating. Okay, so now how would you, you've got this press release in hand because everyone, you know, we all do the press release and it does serve its purpose, and especially in today of the, the search world, you know, it's, it's nice to, to have your information float to the top. But if you, if you, are, if you have an interesting announcement or you've got a new mm-hmm. product or service launch, how would you go about crafting that launch? Like what are some, um, some great advice? Well, uh, obviously this is on a case-by-case basis, but a lot of it uh, depends on the state of the um, editorial calendars for that week, that month, that quarter. Uh, You have to see what reporters are interested in. You have to know what the hot topics are, and then you take your press release and you tie it into that. Um, And most uh, most times the press release ends up being the news hook, such as today such and such company released such and such thing. This is the latest in the trend of dot, dot, dot. Um, 
So you're giving them some that particular scenario is one of the most successful ones. Awesome. Now, how do you go? How does one go about creating those relationships with the reporters so that you can start crafting a story where you're considered the industry expert or they're showcasing your your company? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Years and years of smoothing. <laughs> Uh, years and I'm years sorry? of schmoozing and a lot of expensive lunches and dinners. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, you're not. No, you're not. Well, it, I'm, I'm kidding about the expensive lunches and dinners part, but it, it is a lot of uh, networking. It's um, it's a trust issue. It's you know, um, reporters have to know you. They have to know that you won't send them crap. And when you do send them something, they should pay attention to it. And that is something that takes a long, long time to build. Oh, yeah, there's for no you. easy answers here. Okay, now for you, can you tell it like what? What's your most? What's your most proud? Most proud? I, let me let me have, <laughs> let me state this a little differently. Uh, what's <laughs> the campaign that you are most proud of? You know, the, the the biggest press coverage you ever got, the most fulfilling moment that you had in your PR career. I'm sure there's hmm. many, but if one just pops to mind, um, getting one of my clients on Webmaster Radio with him. Oh God, you're so good. You're so good, <laughs> and your fiance and <laughs> oh, yeah, it's one yeah, big happy yeah. family. We love that. We're big. We're big. Mm. Thank you. We're big. You fans too. No, but but seriously, no. There's a lot. There's a lot of big hits and a lot of big stories, and um, you know, a lot of times it's the entire campaign that matters, not one story. So it's tough for me to say something like that. Sure, I've gotten people into the New York Times and the USA Todays and things like that, but when you really look at the effectiveness of a particular PR push, you have to look at the entire picture. One article in USA Today may not bring in a single sale, even though you can frame it, put it on your wall, mail it to your grandmother, and say, there, we made it. As but there's a lot of validity to being able to send mention, that to your grandmother. <laughs> Oh, that there's a ton of validity in that, but, you know, PR is ultimately all about sales, just like advertising is. You have to raise awareness so it leads to sales or revenue or however you're quantifying results. Um, what I was about to say is USA article today is nice, uh, but if it doesn't bring in, you know, a single response point, however you're measuring it, it's mm-hmm. not going to be as valuable as, let's say, three tiny mentions of a new account in iMedia, Media Post, and ClickZ. Right, rock on. Because those, those you are, can't those frame and send to your focused. grandmother. Yeah, those you can't frame and send to your grandmother. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but you know, <laughs> it, it depends on it depends on what your um, success metrics. Are. Now, how about the but talking about because, like you said, one press release, one story. I mean, you've heard about people that have been on over in millions of books, or you talk, you hear about people that have been, you, you know, that they their story in the in the in the journal, for example. Huh? Um, but that's also the result which people don't understand, which is a very good point. This is just a story that was placed. This is part of an entire campaign. Oh, yeah. So, you know, can we go into, I want to take a quick break and we come back, can we go into, you know, sort of the crafting of a campaign and maybe you could use a, a case story, case study from your past or your present even um, to be okay. able to extol some of your fabulous wisdom? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. That will be fabulous. Try. We'll be back with the beautiful and brainy Marsha Gallo when we return. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Do 
Dishy Mix, the soap opera for the Internet Society. Susan Bratton dishes up delicious news and gossip while interviewing the glitterati of the Web 2.0 world. Dishy Mix, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Wow, looks like you caught another one. Yeah, thanks. That uh, makes 23 so far. You're kidding me. I haven't caught a thing yet. Really? Well, what kind of bait are you using? Same as you. Well, then maybe it's where you're fishing. What do you mean? Well, if you want to catch fish, don't throw your line out in the middle of a big lake. Take a smart look around for where the fish congregate, like over by this log. So I just have to look smart, huh? That's right. It's all about fishing where the fish are. Learn how you can fish where the fish are. Go to signup.looksmart.com. Signup.looksmart.com. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted Fast Click, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenAsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with Value Click Media. I've got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. Details. Value Click Media. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on Webmaster Radio.fm. Here's your host. Hey everyone, this is Brandy Shapiro Babin, and we are blessed by uh, having David McGinnis join us a little uh, into the show, but nonetheless, we're very happy to have him here, and of course, our very Fabulous featured guest for today, Masha Geller. Welcome back. Hey, Brandy. Hello. Masha, you yeah. needed to have, like, escorted him to the studio to do oh, his boy, show. Oh, David, where were you lost? <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> lost in That'll Yonkers. Lost in <laughs> Brooklyn. lost in Brooklyn every time I go there. <laughs> no, I actually happened to go out and get a bite to eat with Brian Eisenberg, and I just got waylaid. Aha. Well, he's still on West Coast time. We'll give him that. Right. So anyway, but we were talking, while you were out dining with the fabulous Brian Eisenberg, who we love, um, we were discussing, you know, it's great to have a press release. Press releases, you know, achieve a lot, but press releases are just, you know, one component to a successful campaign. And we're talking about the merits of having a story placed in um, the New York Times or the Journal, which is, you know, great coverage, but yet it's still part of, a campaign. So prior to the break, I asked Masha to think of a couple of campaigns that she was proud of that would work as good case studies to share with the listening audience. So that is where we are now. Now we're all up to date. Listeners that took a quick break before the break, everyone's on the same page. So it is back to you, Miss Beautiful Masha. Oh, boy. Um, Well, I can't really reveal too much about the specifics of a lot of my clients because I work with a lot of emerging companies, a lot of companies that no one has ever heard of, and 
I help them establish themselves in the marketplace. So there's a lot that goes into um, kind of getting the word out. And it's definitely a long, long process, and it's very involved. And um, there's a lot of moving parts in there. Obviously, when you first sign a client, they want to be on the front page of the New York Times. Absolutely. Every single time, every single pitch I've ever been in, you have the A-list, the B-list, and the C-list publications, and the A-list is always the business section of the New York Times, and everybody wants to be there. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that in order to get there, you need to work for years and years and years on the B-list and the C-list to get the awareness out in the marketplace of your company in order for a New York Times reporter such as Stuart Elliott to even pick up the phone. Okay. Um, so, you know, you start slow. You see how the market is responding. You um, get your clients to speak at conferences so people can put a face to the name. There's a lot of bylines that are involved, um, press releases, things of that nature. It's it's not brain surgery, but it's on a case-by-case basis. Every client is different. Uh, we are dealing in a very, very small market as far as interactive advertising is concerned. So, you know, it, it's... Um, it's a long process. That's all I can say. Which is, which is totally understandable. If there's one point that I can make, it's that it's a long process and requires a lot of patience. Okay. So, all right. No, but that's good. So a lot of patience, but, you know, without revealing, you know, let's say some of the, the, the privacy issues with your clients, mm-hmm. when you go and you pitch a client, what are, like, the three components? Are there a couple of components that people need to do in order to get themselves ready for a PR campaign? What are the things that you see people aren't doing that is so easy for them to be doing that they're not maximizing internally? They need to get their message in order. They need to know what their company is all about. A lot of the people that I meet with, like I said, I work with a lot of emerging companies. They have a great idea. They have a great product. They've done no marketing. They have no marketing plan. Uh, They really don't know where to start. And... You know, that's great for anybody coming in on a consulting basis, but it also adds to that ramp-up period of trying to figure out what the messaging is. It's incredibly important. Internal communication is incredibly important. Um, Little things like the boilerplate on the bottom of the release, everybody has to be speaking that language and everybody has to agree on that message. Um, You know, a lot of specifics like that. significant, but they're important. At what point in the product development cycle do you bring in the PR team? Beginning. The beginning, right? Very, very beginning. Right, and that's kind of that's kind of where we see a lot of frustrated people is you know they'll, they'll go through a nine ten month product development cycle or rolling out a service or website, and then they think, okay, now I got to market and publicize this this thing. But you should have thought about that, you know, day one. Yeah, absolutely, and a lot of times a PR person will come in and a lot of us have editorial backgrounds and marketing backgrounds and we'll take one look at what has been accomplished to date and say, okay, guys, you have to change everything. Um, so if you bring people like us in earlier, it's going to take save a lot of time and money later on. Well, and, and do you think, too, because, you know, you have to have a product that, you know, obviously if you, if things become near and dear to someone's heart, but needs to have that marketability to the public, and you need to have someone who is is who understands the public enough to know how it needs to be dressed up so that people will accept it, embrace it, and then obviously make it, you know, hopefully what everyone crosses their fingers for, number one in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, a lot which of, is, uh, the, the biggest mistake I think people make is they think of PR as separate from the rest of the marketing. It's not. Advertising, marketing, media planning, it, it, it's all in the same bucket. 
It's all about reaching your customer. Now, when you talk, to say the same thing. Now, when you have new companies that are, that are just you know, or emerging companies as you call them, um, and they don't have a budget for everything, how mm-hmm. do you think how how should they best approach the marketplace to make sure that they're putting on the best you know the best face possible? Like, where do they um, spend that dollars? Those dollars hire a lot of consultants in different fields and pay them by the hour and maximize that time. <laughs> Um, okay. That would be my suggestion. A lot of people will take a chunk of their um, venture capital money and sink it into uh, a star marketing director. Take a few thousand of that and pay a PR person early on, and they will give you the marching orders to make everyone's job easier from the very beginning. It doesn't For, cost that much, but it does um, help a lot. You're saying bring on a PR consultant before you bring on an internal PR director? It depends on the company. A lot of times, yeah, that that is a good solution. Um, it, it depends on how much money you have and what you want to do. But, you know, I, I can't really answer that question definitively. It really depends on what you need. Which is understandable. I mean, right, which is understandable. But do you, do you look at it like, first of all, how do, you, how do you personally differentiate between marketing, advertising, and public relations? Um, marketing encompasses... Advertising and public uh, and public relations. Advertising is a lot more expensive and a lot more um, trackable. Obviously, in this medium in particular, mm-hmm. um, PR is very ethereal. But when it's done right, it brings in more results than advertising ever could. Okay, do you have like a, you know, five-to-one ratio? Is there sort of a ratio that you use when you're going into a new client that they can expect from a successful PR campaign? No. Okay, so you've got, you you have no, um, you don't lay down any parameters as far as what they can look towards for results. How do you measure those? They can can look forward a certain number of press mentions in a month, in a quarter, in a year. They can look forward to a certain number of speaker placements, byline placements, things like that. Sure. Um, As as far as actual returns are concerned, it depends on the business and, you know, how they measure their um, success. And I think one of the the new and emerging places that PR is going to be able to measure... um, Measure, have measurable results is in in some of the metrics that are being put out in group, from groups like the Word of Mouth Marketing Association. You know, because mm-hmm. PR, uh, PR is a word of mouth amplifier. Sure. And so if we can, as as we're able to, you know, measure word of mouth better and and share of voice and things like that, then then I think PR is going to have a really interesting metric to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And and also, if you look at, um, David, what your firm is doing, all the tracking mechanisms that you have uh, for press release distribution, that is definitely a success metric. But then you have to put that into, equa- into the equation of so many views of a, pay, uh, of a press release, so many searches and placements, so many dot, 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 brought us X dollars. Right. True, true. And do you feel that there's... Um, strong enough mechanisms out there to be able to predict those results based on, you know, what you've, what you've gleaned from, let's say, a press release or a press campaign? 
um, they're getting there. They're getting there. Yeah. It depends on the publication. It, de- it depends, obviously, on the number of readers. It depends on the number of people who saw a story um, and what they did with it and how many sales leads resulted from that particular story. They're getting there. There's no um, automated calculator out there yet, I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think there is. But, I mean, it's interesting to see. I mean, because, you know, you can, you, if, you, if you have someone speak at a conference, that actually accomplishes several things. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you brand awareness, a company awareness. It takes one of your, you know, key individuals and gives them expert status in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if it's something, if it's a tangible product or a service that you're selling, um, then you can also track sales by virtue of, you know, people speak at conferences, and you see all the time the little pool of people around them to ask questions. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times business is done directly, you know, on the conference floor, in the seminar room floor, exactly. which yep. is really important. And those, those take, you know, it takes time to get someone on a conference circuit, but that is such a strong and powerful tool outside the fact that you actually get to press flesh with the people that are in your market space that make a difference. So not only are you achieving things personally for yourself and your company on a very tangible basis, but then keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening by actually speaking to people who are influences of your business. Yeah, absolutely. Human contact in, in today's industry of voicemail, email, IM, and phone is, you know, hugely underestimated. It's still a business of people, um, and you have to remember that. Meeting Truly. someone face-to-face, shaking their hand, getting their business card, calling them later saying, hey, we met at AppTech, that's invaluable. Truly. And then understanding, too, that sometimes your perception, because people have a tendency, I think, too, not to see the forest or the trees when you get so buried in your own business, that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't always, you know, perk your head up and see what's going on in the industry around you. So to be able to see, to go to these various conferences, to know, you know, like to attend like an ad tech, for example, and to attend other sessions, let, you know, when other people have watched you speak and, and they, you know, obviously be nice if they give you feedback on, on how you present yourself, but more importantly, how they perceive you in the industry so that you can tweak your product as well. It's probably one yeah, of the I best forms the- for feedback. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's true of our lives in general as well. We live in a society, and we lead lives where we only watch the television that we've recorded. We only visit sites that we want to see. Um, Everything we do validates our own point of view, and we don't get too much um, of, um, you know, of of an alternative point of view unless we see people face-to-face. Absolutely. When you really think about it, if you watch CNN, you have one point of view and you affiliate with one political party, or you watch Fox News and you're on the other spectrum, New York Times versus Wall Street Journal, Yahoo versus AOL, um, you know, emails you open versus emails you don't open. You know, you need that kind of um, microcosmic a, a challenge. Yeah. You know, which which is great to get out there and, and press, you know, and press and press flesh. I mean, that's something you know we try to do on you know Webmaster Radio is we say you know we're lifting um, the veiled curtain called the internet and trying to bring t- people together in a community destination, um, mm-hmm. which is you know which is so important. And you're you're 100 percent right. You know, looking at different perspectives is so very important because we do. You know, I never looked at it that way. You know, I definitely have you know my my news station of preference and my sites that I go to, and that's a single voice. There's so many voices out there. Not every voice is going to impact you, but if you can sort of have an opportunity to sort of poke your head up and listen to other voices, it'll lead you to, you know, the more you experience about, you know, the more you experience in the world, the more you're going to be open to um, better possibilities. Right. Yay. 
<laughs> blogs are actually a very interesting component of that. If you go to a blog, you only get one person's point of view, which is great for some of my clients and terrible for others. Right, but, but there's you know, something if interesting I, if I find that a blogger who... Go ahead. There are, there's something interesting that happens in the blogosphere and, and in social networking and social bookmarking sites, and, and that's the cross-pollination of, of ideas, right? So if you, if you and I have a similar interest, but, but you have something that's interesting that you've bookmarked or commented on in your blog, then you know what? Now, I'm, now I've just taken a, a step outside my little echo chamber right? yeah. or my little, my little comfort area, and, and I've experienced something new. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's kind of an of what, we, what we were just talking about five minutes ago, where that happens in the in the conference area, you know the right. So I, it's kind of it's kind of like a I call it a cross pollination of ideas. More, it's true. It's true. It's interesting though because I've gotten a lot of feedback too on blogs that you do need to be careful of. You know, companies are companies are pseudo getting smart now, where they're you know where they have. Um, you know, employees hitting up or, or, you know, consultants or representatives, whoever, hitting up various blogs saying, hey, have you heard about this new company? They've, they really have something great and interesting, and a lot of the, some of the opinions are biased based on, you know, trying to direct public opinion in a certain way, making it come through something that looks like it's coming from an individual right. who's stating a point or an opinion versus, you know, someone who's sort of coming in, in stealth mode and, um, you know, trying to push public opinion one way or the other. What do you guys mm-hmm. think of that? Blogs for personal um, company gain. Well, you know, there's nothing. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Just like there's nothing wrong with using the media for personal gain, right? But you just have to be careful about how you do it and how you go about it because it's, um, bloggers tend to be a lot more sensitive to to being influenced. I don't know if I'm making sense, but but you say you don't want you don't want to make you, you want to treat a blog a blogger as if you would a member of the media. You, you're going to make sure you have a relationship there, mm-hmm. and you're going to nurture Absolutely. that relationship, right? Instead of instead of just doing a blast email to to you know 500 bloggers and it all says the same, it's just mail merged and and um, that actually I think backfired on 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 Walmart. A couple months ago. Okay, can you give us that example? Well, I'm just trying to think of it. Maybe <laughs> we're, yeah, I think it was maybe Ed, maybe Edelman um, reached out to the blogosphere through a Walmart campaign or something, and um, and someone I don't know if it was Edelman for sure, but someone someone did a Walmart campaign and um, with the blogosphere, basically mail merged it. Didn't know didn't know the audience what. You know what the individual bloggers wrote about, and so there was no relationship there, and and the bloggers called them on it. Right, which makes everyone look bad because at the end of the day, whether you know, and you just said it, whether it's blogs or mm-hmm. it's, it's you know traditional media, it's about the relationship and it's about knowing who it is that you're reaching out to because otherwise it's an insult. It's like showing up at a Chinese restaurant trying to order Italian. That's an insult. Right. But I think on the flip side, you know, it's interesting because last year when we were doing this radio show, we talked to a lot of people when, you know, blogging was really um, coming into vogue, and you started hearing people say something which, they didn't norm- which you didn't normally hear, which was, you know, they were t- taking a different spin on crisis management, that they were using blogs as a way to, you know, hey, we're, we're beta testing something. 
it's it's not you know it, we're you know we're completely open to ideas. What do you guys think of this? We'd love your feedback. Um, and it was a very like the the word with with blogs was honesty. You know the gritty honest truth, saying to people, hey, this is we, we've really got this passion for doing something. We've got a product that we think is kind of interesting for you, but we really need well, you that guys. That's matters. You know. Right, which I think, which I think blogs are a great vehicle for, and I think that's great. It's great PR, and it's a great way for you to help, you know, help you do your market research and cap off a lot of what you're doing. Um, but I'm also hearing a lot from people who are saying there's, you know, blogs are popping up that are making it look like it's they're a personal blog, but it's really someone out there that's being paid by a company to promote that company in a certain light, and they sprinkle in other type stuff to sort of veil it, but yet, um, you know, push public opinion. Do you guys I think see what it all boils down. I, I think what it all boils down to is not underestimating your audience. Consumers are a heck of a lot smarter than we give them credit to uh, credit for. Um, if a blog is seated, if it's a company-sponsored blog, it, it's so transparent, and consumers see right through it. And th- there's a place and a time for some things on the blogs and. There's no room for the uh, for other things on them. I mean, you just have to really, really be honest and in touch with your audience if you're using blogs because consumers will see right through the BS. Good for and you. And a lot of marketers forget that. Good for you because I think that could be, you know, that's obviously that could be someone's biggest downfall. You know, like like David just said, you know, with Walmart, here you've got a huge brand. They thought they'd get in on this new media, and what did they end up doing? They ended up with egg on their face because they didn't take the time to build the relationships and give the respect as they would. I mean, I don't mean to speak for Walmart, but that they would with traditional media. Right. And someone got a little overzealous <laughs> with their push-button marketing, right? Okay. And that can lead to, a, you know, a huge demise. So, Right, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect any results from the media by doing the same approach, right? In, in media relations, it's about, you know, it's about the relationships. And same thing with bloggers, you know. If you're going to engage in doing blog relations, then create some relationships. You know, participate in their dialogue. Um, speak their language. Right. I mean, yeah. Learn to speak their language. But be involved in their dialogue long before you need something from them. Mm-hmm. Right. Very, very well stated. Go over there, start to participate, start to contribute. Because <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think that's what the world of blogging is meant to be. It's everyone contributing. You know, and what what you missed at the beginning of the radio show, David, um, Masha and I were talking about, you know, what you give out is what you get back. Right. Period. The end. So speaking about what, about, you know, what you give out is what you get back, let's give a little homage to our uh, fabulous advertisers, and we'll be right back on Cover Story. Stick around. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, text 
Nextlinkads.com. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. $6 million, $2.2 million, $4.4 billion, $6 million. Then just kick an ass with domain name. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty. Monty, 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 Monty. Money, Monty. And uh, what, what's, uh, what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately $144,000. About 150 grand. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by rent.com and shopping.com for a combined $1.4 billion. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty. Be, be, be the master of your domain. Monty. Literally, probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had, $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your domain. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Wow, looks like you caught another one. Yeah, thanks. That uh, makes 23 so far. You're kidding me. I haven't caught a thing yet. Really? Well, what kind of bait are you using? Same as you. Well, then maybe it's where you're fishing. What do you mean? Well, if you want to catch fish, don't throw your line out in the middle of a big lake. Take a smart look around for where the fish congregate, like over by this log. So I just have to look smart, huh? That's right. It's all about fishing where the fish are. Learn how you can fish where the fish are. Go to signup.looksmart.com. Signup.looksmart.com. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on Webmaster Radio.fm. Here's your host. Hey, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin. I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, David McGinnis of PR Web, and Masha Geller, our featured guest for today. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. Hello. I'm here. I'm here. I'm glad. God, God knows we're never quite sure if you're here or there. Well, I, I'm physically here. Mentally? Yeah. Where are you mentally? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Maj and I went to see, um, I think I told you this, David, we went to see this really awesome play in New York. The last time we were in New York, it was called Three Days of Rain. Mm-hmm. And that was one hell of a play. And it was just... It was Julia Roberts on Broadway. Yep. We got to see her last evening performance, actually. Yep. Did you realize that? And it was on Broadway? Mm-hmm. What was it called? Three Days of Rain? Three Days of Rain. 
it was basically, and it's, inter- it's an interesting story. Actually, you know, you could use this as some sort of like a, a PR sort of, um, um, you know, anecdote. Um, but it's about it's about how you perceive people. The way you perceive people isn't always the way they perceive they perceive themselves, and your reality of them is absolutely not their true reality. And especially like with kids and their parents, like these kids just absolutely thought that their father was their parents were a certain way. And you get to sort of relive um, their perceptions through their parents' eyes and see that it was completely, like, these people were completely different from how their children perceive them. And, you know, it's very interesting. Like, that is actually an interesting correlation to PR because the way you perceive yourself is not the way other people perceive you, but you need to be able to structure and create a very um, clear and concise message so that the public can embrace you across the board. Yay, I tied that almost in. I almost tied that in. I was like, what am I You did. I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. Because I'm definitely having one of those days. We're going to take a little break from this radio show and just kind of like chit-chat for a little while because I'm in a chit-chat kind of mood. It has been raining here for seven days. Uh, New York has been about five, I think. Do you not have soggy brains? I I, I can't take it anymore. No, and you know what? I, and that was a silly thing to say to Miss Masha Geller. She never gets soggy brain. She's always like on top of it, focused. Oh yes, you know, I do. Yes, snazzy, snazzy hot chick that she is. Um, but but it's so a thing after PR. all. <laughs> what? So back to PR. <laughs> so back to PR. <laughs> what do you like? What do you back like better? My praises. Yeah, no, but I like singing your praises. I never sing your praises to your face. I might as well do it on the air. <laughs> We'll, we'll reserve it. We can actually be recorded and it can be played back. Um, <laughs> but, Sarah, but, but what do you enjoy more? Because, I mean, you, you really are in this unique position of, you know, you straddle both sides of the fence, the editorial perspective, and then you're also out, um, you know, per- pursuing um, very strong PR campaigns for your clients. What do you enjoy more? I enjoy the fact that I know what a reporter is going to be interested in because I can put myself in their shoes. Um, and, and that, I think, is an invaluable bit of experience for any PR person. Having sat in front of their screen, having dealt with their deadlines, knowing what their dealings with the editors are like, um, that's the bit of experience that I have that I am most grateful for. But what do you enjoy the most? Like, if I could wave um, my magic wand, but you had to choose, you know, because you do, you straddle, you know, you, you, you straddle both, you know, both sides of the fence. Which, right. which do you enjoy more? I enjoy, um, I guess I enjoy the PR side more because it's more of an accomplishment. Um, as a reporter, um, you're more of a listener. Um, there's not as much satisfaction that comes from telling the story um, through print as comes through crafting the message and making sure someone else understands it as a PR person. Which is Um, exciting. Delivering that message and having the reporter really understand it and really tell the story the way you want it told, um, there's an enormous amount of satisfaction in that. So, but how do you do that? I mean, because it was interesting. You made a comment early on in the in the interview where you said you're you're more of a watcher. So, um, I, I used to be more of a watcher when I was on the editorial side. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and now, but, right, when I said to you, I said, you're not now, a watcher, you're really... Tables, a... Now the tables have certainly turned. Now mm-hmm. I am on, now I'm, you know, on the uh, client side. Okay. Now, understanding that you have an editorial background and you have, you know, you have a reporter background, so you absolutely can traverse those waters a lot better than a lot of other PR professionals who are, you know... Um, who have the relationships, but they don't have the true understanding. You know, you, you can't appreciate the cook until you've been in the kitchen kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some of, like, the best tips that you can share with the listeners in regard to guiding a reporter to print the story that you want? Um, invest the time. Sending them a press release and an email pitch is not enough. You have okay. to start well in advance of an announcement. You have to prepare them with all the background of a company. You have to, uh, if possible, do a meet and greet with the principals of the company so they can put those faces to the names. There's a lot of pre-pitch that goes into a story. Now, how hard is it to get an appointment, let's say, with, you know, forget like a Stuart Elliott, but let, let's just say a, a B publication, you know, some B publications, um, to, to actually be able to, you know, do a dog and pony show with, some of the higher-ups in a company and these publications? Um, it depends on your um, announcement, obviously. It depends on the company. It depends on the product. If you're releasing, you know, the newest version of a cotton ball, nobody's going to pay attention to you no matter what you do. Um, right, right, right. And th- th- then, of course, there's, there's a lot of tricks of the trade. Um, one of the PR people I know used to send reporters a shoe in a box with a note that says, uh, now that I've gotten my foot in the door, let's have lunch. <laughs> so, um, so, so do gimmicks know, really work? Everybody uses. Are gimmicks really worth it, or any more, or not? I'm sorry. Do gimmicks really work? Um, it depends on the gimmick. It depends on the reporter, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm dealing in a very interesting niche. The interactive space is not that big. Um, and there's a collection of people <clears throat> that we like to call the ambassadors. Um, 10 or 12 people that you need to have the attention of. Um, mm-hmm. And if you have their attention, you can apply that to every con- uh, every client that you have. Um, other industries are obviously very different. But as far as interactive is concerned, if you know the top 10 reporters, you're good. Right. And, and those people you can... If you don't know them, then, you know, that's what we get paid for, getting their attention through any approach we can think of. I've never personally used a shoe, but... <laughs> well, it's very funny. It's a very sad story for me, but I'd actually hired a director for sales this time last year, right before Wilma. And, you know, he actually won the job with us because he told us that's exactly how, you know, he won, like, one of his biggest accounts was he sent the guy, like, an old sneaker and said... Mm-hmm. You know, basically the same thing, you know, and it's something about like, like now I've got one, you know, foot in the door, can I please have an appointment with you? We thought, well, that's really, like a really novel way to get someone's attention. And then unfortunately, Wilma hit and he said, I don't like living in Florida. <laughs> with all of these hurricanes, I'm out of here. But it's interesting, and I think, I think, David, I think it really, like Masha said, it depends on who the person is. And I think that people do appreciate when you're creative, and if you make something, if you do something that's really focused and tailored for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you run around and send shoes out to every single person, well, like, I think that comes across. And I think, too, to be honest with you, you know, just in a nice way disarming someone, because they do, they get tons and tons and tons of calls, and at the end of the day, you're not interested in the person, you're interested in what that person can do for you. So if you can find a personal connection with someone, 
You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if someone likes you, they're more apt to do something with you and for or for you than with someone else. So if you can take the time to find a general interest between the two of you and cultivate a true relationship, and, and they know that they can also count on you as being, um, you know, a, a good source for consistent, strong information, then I think that that sort of relationship, that back-and-forth relationship can grow and blossom more easily. Would you not but agree, you Marshall? Can also you can also glean a lot um, about the person from their writing. I mean, if you've never met them before face-to-face, never communicated with them before, read the last 12 articles they've written, and you can find out a lot about them, especially with columnists. Do they have a sense of humor? Are they sardonic, sarcastic, cynical? You know, and craft your pitch according to their personality. They're going to be much more willing to respond to you if you, again, speak their language. Well, absolutely, and I don't care who you are. You know, I don't care how successful you are, um, you know, if you're Stuart Elliott, if you're, you know, um, Joe Blow out of, you know, Missouri, Kansas, or what have you, people like to know that they're appreciated and that you've read what they've done and that you really, you know, like that what they do impacts you, period, the end. Right. Or if you have an alternative point of view, I've... Um one of the most successful relationships that I have, I developed by sending someone a response to one of the articles they've written. And I, in the subject line, I had, you're wrong, in capital letters. Because <laughs> they got you. it wrong. Because Good they got it wrong, and I, and I crafted the entire email, you know, point by point, what they got wrong. Oh, and by the way, I'm happy to talk to you about this and connect you with these people um, who can tell the real story, because you're missing this, 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 and this. Um, Which is you know that anything is to get brilliant. their attention, but from the very beginning they know that I read their article, and I really read it. Well, and not only that, but you had something verifiable. So if you're keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening, and as a PR professional, you're reading what's going on out there, by virtue of of you taking notice of what's happening, you can actually insert yourself in your company in a way that benefits everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? We need, talking about benefiting everyone, we are actually launching a brand new show right at the 3 o'clock mark. It's um, Life Tips, hosted by um, Melanie Naylor and Byron White. So we need to end now, but Masha, I know that you know, you're a consistent contributor to Webmaster Radio, and we truly appreciate it. I feel like we just touched the surface with you, so I have to ask you very gently, very nicely, would you come back again? I would be happy to. Oh, thrills me, thrills me. All right, so... <laughs> We have come to another end of another fabulous cover story. Stay tuned. We've got the brand-new launch of Life Tips, not to be missed. Get hooked, wrapped, and dished. All week long on WebmasterRadio.fm. Your destination for education and entertainment.